difficulties. So welcome to this update uh, on the progress that has been made since the December 27th winter storm here in Nevada County. And we have Supervisor Ed Schofield who will kick us off. Please Ed, take it over. Thank you, Pascal. And thank you to you, Bennett, for uh, putting this together for us. Um, I am Ed Schofield, and I am the District 2 Supervisor, which includes Alta Sierra and Lake of the Pines area. And um, I just want to acknowledge and pay tribute to those that have been hit hardest uh, with this winter storm. And even note that, uh, you know, some of these folks have gone through two very difficult periods uh, with the South County in both District 2 and District 1 um, with the river fire earlier this year. So uh, it's been kind of a tough, I want to say, year. Um, but uh, I do want to pay tribute to those and, and uh, show my concern for those. I'm going to steal a little bit of thunder from Paul Cummings and just give him credit and his team credit. Uh, within very, very short time Monday morning, uh, they realized the magnitude of this storm and they were able to declare a local emergency. And in fact, uh, we were the first county to, re to uh, request the local, to declare a, a local emergency. And that was ratified last Thursday by your board of directors. And what that did is, is bring in additional resources and mutual aid from throughout the area. And uh, your panelists are gonna talk to you, I'm sure about some of the agencies that have come in to assist us. Uh, it's really impressive what has come in. But the, uh, what I would like to make a point on is, especially Monday morning, I mean, I myself was definitely impacted by that storm. I had um, several trees come down. Two of them were blocking Norlean Way, which is a major roadway in uh, Alta Sierra, and actually took out a corner of my deck. Scared us badly, but I'm thankful that that's the worst that I could say that happened. And I, I, I almost feel guilty because I know there's others out there who have been impacted so much more than what I've had to go through. But the point that I noticed immediately was it became neighbor helping neighbor. Uh, within a very short period of time, there was a group of folks that came by, about four vehicles and pickups that came by. They had chainsaws and they were cutting through the trees that I had dropped down on Norlean had fallen from my property. And they allowed a roadway around uh, Norlean so that people could traverse on Norlean, at least getting around that tree. It was a very quick thing. Uh, they almost had to go around and you had to go into a ditch area to actually uh, get around, but they then went on to the next tree. And then what I noted throughout the day, the entire day and the day after, was a series of neighbors that would continue to roam the neighborhood uh, asking if anybody needed assistance. Um, I want to shout out to Cal Fire who eventually came and cut that tree away from Norlean. But in those early periods, it was neighbor to neighbor and this community really coming together. And I want to thank those citizens that were out there uh, doing such a great job. And I want to point out um, just one other thing. You're going to hear about the regional issues that we still have out there. 
um, propane issues. I had an issue with propane. Uh, my company was able to get to me, which was wonderful. Um, PG&E, of course, everybody is concerned about their power right now, and you're going to hear about that. I have seen some posts in social medias about people very unhappy with PG&E, and I want to tell you something. Those people are out there, and I know we got Joe Wilson on the panel today, and I know he can talk about this. You may not recognize the trucks that are out there because they brought in contractors, too, to assist, and I know they've asked for additional people to come in also. So you see those guys out there working on those roads and they're working all night. Give them a big thank you. They're, they're really they're really doing a job for you. I just want to put that out there. Don't be angry with these guys. They're trying to help. And I do know in Alta Sierra, we're seeing pockets of power coming back on. So it is, it is encouraging. But we did tour today with Cal Fire and, and other officials and saw the magnitude of the uh, dis destruction that is out there. There's still trees laying on lines that takes a community effort to take care of. Also with propane, I do know that those folks are out there and in some cases volunteers helping to get pro propane out there. Um, so again, uh, when you see those guys, just give them a big thank you. And I think I'm gonna turn it over to the panelists up here and, and just say thank you to all the great folks that are on this team. I'm honored to be a part of this panel tonight. Pasquale, back to you, thank you. Thank you, Ed, and, and, and thanks for being here and thanks for, uh, we got a lot of messages on our uh, reports and the damage reports where people reached out to you and every time we heard and, and Ed told us, so we know that you are very, very involved in long, long hours, long days. So, but I think let's talk to the ones that um, mostly run the show. And that would be uh, the EOC and that would be Paul Cummings and uh, his uh, uh, second in command, I would assume with Lieutenant Scales. Paul, would you tell us what happened? Where are we at and what's, what's left? Good evening, Pascal. Uh, thank you for having us on tonight. And, uh, and thank you, Supervisor Schofield, for those kind words. I, I, I echo much of what you have, uh, have said there. So I'll run through a quick update, maybe five minutes of some of the, the major elements of this event, um, some of the things that we've done in response, some of the big challenges that we're working on. And then I'll turn it over to Lieutenant Scales to talk about the Emergency Operations Center. So as many of you know, a major storm system came through. Uh, eight days ago now um, and, and, and wreaked havoc in our community with wind and heavy snow. Initially, we were at about 33,000 customers that were out uh, because of those just hundreds of, of downed trees. When those trees came down and these power lines came down, they took with them a lot of our telecommunications infrastructure. So that was mainly Comcast, Verizon, AT&T uh, that degraded our ability to communicate in a, in a county that's rural and has a challenge with that on a good day. So. Um, you know, today, uh, we're eight days in, and at last report, it was anywhere from 12 to 13,000 customers that were out. I know that PG&E will give an update uh, on that uh, this evening. And that's customers, not people. We know that there's that's significantly more people, our neighbors, that are affected by this event. Uh, our emergency, and, and so I also want to just point out that those are people that are running dangerously low on propane, firewood, food, water, and that we've all come together uh, as partners to try to, uh, to address those needs from PG&E to the county to our nonprofits. Um, and, and we hear you, we know those issues are out there. 
Our emergency operations center was activated early Monday morning on the 27th of, of December when we realized that this was an event of significant scale. Uh, the county, as you heard Supervisor Schofield said, shortly after that activation declared an emergency, we knew that we were going to quickly exceed our local capacity and we knew we needed to, to get help to all of you, to our community as fast as possible. Um, we did ask that the governor declare a state of emergency when we did that local emergency. Uh, so it, it takes some time for that to happen. The governor has to weigh the situation. So on the 30th of December, uh, we're thankful that the governor did uh, declare a state proclamation for Nevada, which included Nevada County. Um, as part of that state proclamation, then it opens us up to, um, to have expedited help when we ask for things where we're not able to address them locally. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we've been working closely with the telecommunications providers. I, I've already mentioned, uh, you know, AT&T and Comcast, and I don't have an estimate on when those services will, will be back, but we are engaging them every single day because we know that some of you, the only way that you can call out for help on 911 is through that AT&T landline. Cal OES, the state, um, our partners and AT&T have all heard that loud and clear. And um, we are advocating for you strongly to get those services back. There are some challenges there because their, their infrastructure rides on PG&E infrastructure. And I know PG&E is doing everything they can to get to, to support the, the restoration of telecoms. Um, at last report, the Verizon service is um, fully up and running. All the towers are up and running in our community. They weren't initially, but, um, but we've been working with them to get those back. But we also know that when those systems are degraded, like Comcast and AT&T, it's gonna shift traffic to these other systems that are up and running. So that's probably why some of you are seeing degradation on your, on your um, cell phones. Uh, we know there's other concerns that we have to address in the community moving forward, like green waste. It's a mess out there. There's trees, there's branches everywhere on private property, on private roads, on county roads. So we're working to create systems to get that green waste out of the way so that we can safely get to people. But we know that there's gonna be, we're gonna to have to address that at scale moving forward. So it's on our radar, we're working on it. Um, you know, there's been discussions about the California National Guard. Um, right now that tool, you know, is not appropriate, but we have been working on um, addressing these needs locally with the resources that we have. Uh, that's been a combination of search and rescue, nonprofits, uh, county employees to try to address these unmet needs as they come up. Um, we, we have been supported by existing National Guard members that have been embedded as part of some of the, the tree removal uh, hazardous vegetation reduction operations that were already part of CAL FIRE's crews. Uh, and so I uh, would like to recognize CAL FIRE in their support of helping us gain access to a lot of you uh, in some of the, the the task force component that they had and Lieutenant Scales will talk about that. So um, let's talk about recovery also, uh, just moving forward that um, we have requested reimbursement for some of the costs that we're incurring now. We've started that process now because we know it takes a long time, but right now we're spending local dollars to address these, these needs, whether that be staff time, fuel, equipment, uh, and, and we're not holding back. We're doing everything we can to get to people and to address those unmet needs that, that we're hearing from the community. Um, I, do want to, I do want to thank our media partners. I want to thank partners like Pascal. I want to thank 211 for, for getting that information to us. And I want to implore all of you 
to continue to check on your neighbors. And if you, there's somebody that's not doing okay, pass that up through these, these channels that we've created like 211 so that we can get out and provide assistance. I wanna recognize Cal OES as part of our, our local emergency declaration. Uh, the state via Cal OES has provided significant support to this community. That's come in the form of large size generators to provide electricity when the Madeline Helling Library was out. We created an overnight warming shelter. Um, they created, they set up a portable cell phone tower in the town of Washington to address that community, which had absolutely no, no telecoms at all. Uh, they've brought in dump trucks to help us move things like wood and snow, uh, snow removal equipment. Uh, they're, they're embedded in our emergency operations center. So we're doing everything we can as we have quantifiable needs that we can articulate to the state to bring in support. We're asking for that help and the state's responding. Lastly, I do want to say that um, you know our neighbors who uh, you know who have disabilities and older adults. These are the these are the folks that bear the brunt of these events, especially when we're talking about eight days of for some folks no heat, running out of food and water, and so we're doing everything we can to provide for and to um, to protect these residents. Uh, that's again, I want to recognize two one one and Freed and our county uh, HHSA department for their work in this area. Um, I'll pause there. I will be available afterwards for questions, and I want to turn it over now to Lieutenant Scales to talk about our Emergency Operations Center and some of um, the, the immediate needs that they've been addressing. Uh, thank you very much, Paul. Uh, my name is Sean Scales with the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, and I'm the Emergency Operations Center Coordinator. Uh, so this, uh, we activated our Emergency Operations Center pretty much uh, immediately as, uh, on Monday morning. Um, it's a collaboration of many, many folks who are in us uh, in there helping us out. Cal OES has uh, both, the, both the law enforcement rep and our, our, our coordinator in there pretty much every day uh, this past week. Uh, they're still there today, and it's an operation that's ongoing. Cal Fire has been there with us every step of the way, a uh, great partner to have. Uh, we've utilized the services of county staff through disaster service workers, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, and search and rescue folks, so the Nevada County Search and Rescue Team. The way it's currently working, uh, obviously, if there's an emergency, uh, 911 is always your best answer. Um, you've also got your uh, local dispatch number if you want to uh, speak straight to, uh, if you need need to report an issue. But the majority of storm-related issues uh, can likely be handled by 211. 211 is an information resource that you can call, uh, and they can offer lots of options for you. Uh, we have folks who are manning the line, uh, lines out there, uh, great folks who are hearing these terrible stories uh, all day long and trying to find resources for people and getting people what they need so they can get through this disaster uh, intact. Uh, early on a uh, task force, uh, it was recognized that uh, this was not going to be able to clear, be cleared by just normal uh, response to down power lines. A lot of folks don't know that uh, PG&E can't cut AT&T lines, AT&T can't cut PG&E lines. Uh, so what uh, Cal Fire set up was a task force that would respond uh, to all of these situations with PG&E and AT&T embedded and uh, public works with them, along with our uh, private uh, partners, uh, Freshie Construction and Robinson Enterprise Enterprises to help us out. And this was to clear the roads as fast as possible due to this quick response County, all county maintained roads were opened and I understand they're not like you're used to driving on them. They're a single lane in certain parts and there's still trees down and lines down. But the most important thing is we need to be able to get to people in the event of an emergency. Uh, so that, that happened within a couple of days of the initial uh, incident. 
to complicate matters, we had another uh, snow event on Wednesday. So all, all the good work that was done on Tuesday, some of it uh, snow kind of sort of made us have to get the plows back out and keep that on going. Uh, it became uh, evident early on that uh, PG&E and AT&T did not have uh, the best way to identify where these problems were in the community, where are their down power lines. So we responded by using our county staff with a collector application on a tablet and linking them up with CAL FIRE personnel to drive through the affected areas of the county. And we mapped them all out. We mapped down power lines, unplowed private roads, um, other hazards to the community. Uh, we uh, overlapped that with the PG&E outage map that you can find online. So it was very uh, helpful to PG&E. We actually used our GIS folks to push that data directly to PG&E so they could have an idea where they're where the affected customers were and what the issues were. Additionally, uh, after a, a day or two, we also launched our Nevada County Search and Rescue team to assist with that. Uh, over 1,100 uh, or almost 1,200 hours uh, were put in over the past three days identifying these areas uh, of concern to PG&E, AT&T, and the community. In addition to that, distressed homes were, were uh, Doors were knocked on. If uh, it wasn't something that search and rescue could handle, they would then refer that to the Nevada County Sheriff's Office or the Grass Valley Police Department or CAL FIRE, the most appropriate entity for that jurisdiction. Uh, Nevada County Consolidated Fire Department as well. So it was a good way to get a lot of information directly to our partners. As Paul stated, uh, they set up a, a cell on wheels down in Washington. I was talking with uh, Chief Stewart. That's the first time he's been able to be in the Washington hotel with cell phone service. They have no cell phone service in there. Uh, so when their power lines go, are, go down and their phone lines go down, they do not have the ability to call out without driving a significant distance. So it was important to get them up and running. Uh, I've had questions of why can't that be done everywhere? Uh, those cows, first of all, they're very limited uh, and they only cover a mile or two radius. It's not something you can stand up uh, sustainably for an entire community. And there's a lot of disaster currently in, in our country. Um, major progress so far, uh, as I stated, county roads are now open. Again, not in the usual manner we're all accustomed to, but they're, they're working on it and making progress every day. Uh, we stood up warming shelters uh, and overnight shelters and centers. Uh, PG&E also stood up a, a couple of uh, CRCs to help out. Um, the, uh, when it first started, close to 33,000 customers were out of power. There's an average of two residents per uh, household in Nevada County. So that's 66,000 residents potentially uh, out of power. In addition, uh, areas like Alta Sierra, uh, it's, uh, you may have more families in there. There's a lot of kids in that area, so it could be much higher than that. But if you think about the population of Nevada County is right around 100,000. So at one point, close to 66,000 people were out of power. Two thirds of the people in Nevada County were out of power. Uh, that number from latest check has been reduced down to just 12,000 customers as of a couple minutes ago, but that's still one quarter of our population to, to put it into context. I know folks are short on propane. The propane issue is a, is a difficult one to solve. It's a regional problem. Uh, what has happened in response to that, Cali OES was leveraged along with the Western Propane and Gas Association to get a driver exemption to extend the amount of hours that the drivers uh, can be on the roads. Uh, they are doing absolutely everything they can. They're working really, really hard. The additional piece to that is uh, there's a if you get a generator and it's running on propane, it really sucks down on the propane. 
uh, and you you should notify your vendor for propane. Uh, that's a, they usually send out questionnaires every year. Have you added a generator? Last uh, check, their response rate was around 30 to 40% with those companies as far as customers telling them that they've upgraded uh, their homes to have a, a whole home generator. So what normally is a 10-week fill for a 250-gallon tank can be uh, can be whittled down to three to seven days. So it's very difficult for, for propane right now, but they are absolutely working every hour they can. Uh, last I heard, uh, all of the major propane companies in this area had applied for an ex exemption, as had the smaller companies that are working on, the, on that as well. Uh, yesterday, a firewood site was set up uh, taking over 19 cords of wood were delivered yesterday. I believe uh, 19 to 20 cords of wood were delivered today. We're, sort, we're trying to source 40 cords of wood per day, which is a substantial amount, uh, amount of wood to take care of the needs of this community. And a lot of those sites, we're filling it as fast as we can and as fast as we can get firewood. So it is working out really well. And I'd like to thank all of our partners. Again, Cal OES came through on that with uh, a couple of trucks to help, help us distribute that firewood. Uh, and uh, it came together quite quickly. We had to amend one of our requests, which initially was for Sanders, and they took care of it in uh, a lot of time and a lot of after, after hours, and it really was uh, very efficient. Restoration of services. Um, it's going to take a while to get everything back how it was. The most important thing is to make sure that everybody is okay, checking on their neighbors, and really identify what the needs are. We're responding to needs as they come up. Uh, we really need to identify what those needs are versus comforts. The other thing is, if you are using a propane generator, conserve power as much as you can. And we're talking about just like the, the rolling blackouts and things like that. Don't have all of your lights on. Don't be running three or four TVs, all those kinds of things. Just conserve propane for the entire community. We'll remain engaged to solve this problem until we are all the way through the, this crisis. Uh, and until every customer has their power restored, we are there with you the entire way. Our recovery is going to be a long time for getting the roads back how they used to be um, and getting road signs up, street signs, all those kinds of things. But the important thing is pg and &E is working really, really hard to make sure uh, that all the residents are taken care of. Uh, we could not have done uh, made as much progress as, as we have without our partners at Cal OAS, PG&E, the local construction companies, and quite honestly, one of the biggest responses has been the citizens of this community. They really have been helpful, and that's that's what's great about this place that we, we all live and work in. That's all we've got, Pascal, we'll pass it back to you. Thanks, that, well, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of stuff, and we have a lot of people, a lot of questions, so I, I am gonna beg the, the next speakers to Keep it as short as possible because we have a lot of questions that we really, really need to get to because people uh, have taken time. It's very difficult for a lot of people to even be online. So well, we're going to focus, if possible, we're going to focus on their questions because that's, I think that's what really everybody is here for. So um, sorry, Sh uh, Sheriff Moon, I don't mean to constrain you, but please, a short update. Yeah, absolutely, Pascal. And, and again, thank you for the platform. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, the decision <clears throat> that decisions that we've made at the sheriff's office, I think, 
um, that, that is assisted in any type of emergency response is being embedded in, in the, the Office of Emergency Services here for the county. And that's only been within the last couple of years. So I, I absolutely appreciate the fact that we do have a, a lieutenant assigned into OES that can assist um, as much as we can. I also have uh, two lieutenants on the panel to, to answer any questions. That's very specific to Sheriff Operations, which is uh, Lieutenant uh, Robbie Bringoff and Lieutenant Jason Perry that are that are here on our panel. I, I would just uh, just briefly say, you know, the the getting through another emergency uh, in Nevada County, it, it, it's trying. Um, and and I see the pleas. I see the folks saying, uh, you know, where where is this and where is that? And a lot of this does rely on getting our power back. Um, so when the storm initially hit, I think the biggest concerns that I had in, in expressing my perspective to OES was let's not be the reason why PG&E can't get in. Let's let's make sure that we can assist them in getting in as soon as they can with identifying where, where the infrastructure issues were. Uh, so having our staff uh, and definitely our search and rescue volunteers have been instrumental again. Uh, they've, they've, they've pivoted. Uh, they've assisted us with the incident command with wildfires and, and our evacuations and now having um, you know assisting us with this is just another uh, another way in which they they continually show up to serve Nevada County um, so I you know I know a lot of folks have a lot of questions for PG&E uh, I, I will keep keep it uh, that short and say uh, we are definitely uh, going to be in this for the long haul we, we know we're going to get through this uh, and we are going to do everything that we can to make sure that uh, that everybody does get their power back on and, and is is warm and has food. And a lot of that work is is currently being done. I, I hear a lot of questions about you know people uh, not getting food. Food is being delivered. Fuel. People are getting checked on. Our welfare checks uh, that have been coming in uh, have increased incredibly. Uh, so patrol staff are going out. Um, what we don't know is what we don't know. And that's that's why we need to get the power back on. We need to get uh, our communication infrastructure back working, but we couldn't do it without uh, the strong partnerships that we have in this in this community with our wonderful community, but also with a lot of the, the law enforcement and fire um, partners that we have. And I'll let uh, Chief Estes uh, say a few words as well. Thank you, Pascal. Thank you, Shannon. Chief Estes, your turn. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, thank you, Pascal. Thank you very much for uh, for the platform. Um, and uh, I just want to uh, echo a little bit of, of what uh, Sheriff Moon said, and I'll keep this very short. Uh, I've got with me Assistant Chief Jim Mathias, who has been the face of CAL FIRE in the Emergency Operations Center. Uh, his, his responsibilities and roles are with Nevada and Yuba counties day to day. Uh, and my Deputy Chief Jim Hudson, uh, who was our incident commander for this. So um, again, my name is Brian Estes. I'm the CAL FIRE unit chief for the Nevada Yuba Placer unit. And CAL FIRE uh, has been from the beginning and will continue to be 110% committed to the communities and the citizens of Nevada County as we work through this. Um, you know, on the CAL FIRE side, we, we, um, we organized our incident command structure on December 27th and organized the unit into two branches geographically with Nevada County being the North Branch under Chief Mathias's leadership. Uh, we immediately embedded and had an agency rep in uh, the EOC. Um, and, you know, frankly, the partnership we have with Sheriff Moon and her staff with the Sheriff's Office, um, as we talked about this morning, uh, and OES, 
is uh, cannot be overlooked. And, and I don't think we could be uh, as effective as we are without the relationships we've built. And I also uh, would be remiss if I didn't thank Supervisor Schofield, his partners and, and fellow board members and the leadership out of the county for allowing CAL FIRE to be part of the leadership in this county. We, we have committed on a daily basis, our, our agency is committed on a daily basis, um, upwards of 14 engine companies, five type one hand crews, all of our heavy equipment and heavy equipment operators and in excess of 20 command and support personnel every single day in support of Nevada and Placer counties. And we will continue that as was said earlier, uh, until we have complete restoration of power and our citizens in Nevada County see a sense of normality come back uh, to their daily lives. Thus far, as of today, we've committed uh, about 2,500 personnel hours from, from our agency and our Grass Valley Emergency Command Center in a seven day period during the brunt of this storm dispatched over 2,200 calls for emergency service. So that just shows you the scope um, from those behind the scenes to those in the field uh, working with the citizens every day. Uh, CAL FIRE is absolutely and very much committed to, uh, to serving this community. And I'll, I'll keep it short so that we can get through our speakers, Pascal. I'll let Chief Mathias speak to any of the questions that come from the public. But with that, I'll turn it back over to you. And thank you again for, uh, for the platform. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. And thanks also to Chief Mathias. And uh, let's, let's get to the, uh, the main act here pretty quickly. That would be Joe Wilson from PG&E. So you are... Uh, you're going to be on the hot seat because there are a lot of questions. So, if we can, if we could dispense with the, um, we all know it's really difficult. We all know you work really hard. Um, can you just tell us how many crews do you have? How many, how many different outages? And if you have an assessment of how many poles need replacing, etc., we really need to need some um, meat. Here, we need some concrete information because understandably, um, people are starting to be incredibly frustrated. And I know it's really hard for you to give numbers because they change a lot, but let's try. Sounds good. Thank you, Pascal. Um, I will give a um, three minute overview, if that's okay, of the progress that we've made and what to expect in the coming days. Um, I'd like to thank you and Supervisor Schofield, as well as our partners with OES, uh, Sheriff Moon, CAL FIRE for uh, just really the great collaboration. So um, obviously this has been a significant event to the infrastructure that we have in Nevada County. Uh, right now we've got about 12,000 customers that are currently without power. Um, we've, over the course of this storm event in a four county region, Sierra, Placer, Nevada, and El Dorado, we've been able to restore 176,000 customers. We're solely focused on restoring uh, the, the remaining, which is a total of 24,000 over those four counties, 12,000 within uh, Nevada County. About 7,500 of them are within Grass Valley, um, and there's about uh, another three, 4,000 in Nevada City as well. So right now, um, we have 96 crews, 23 troublemen in uh, Nevada County. That includes mutual aid. And what those teams are doing is they're currently assessing damage and making repairs around the clock. And right now in Nevada County, we've assessed 
of the damage that we have, and we expect to be fully assessed by um, 6 p.m. tomorrow. We also have many more personnel, including vegetation management workers, engineers, and estimators that are working in the back office to make these engineering um, designs so we can make swift repairs. One thing that I want to uh, mention is we have uh, 188 of my fellow coworkers um, working on this event. They, they work in Nevada County. They're working to restore their own neighborhoods. So um, we're working to restore power to our, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. Now the the overall storm, uh, the Sierra Division, those four counties that I mentioned, was pretty much the epicenter. But you could say that ne Nevada County was kind of the, the bullseye within the bullseye. We saw significant damage. Right now, we have 1,449 separate instances of damage. That's over 300 poles, almost 600 locations where the conductor or the uh, power line needs to be repaired. 171 cross arms, 70 transformers, and we're working as quickly as we can to, to make those repairs. Um, now, specifically, by midnight tonight, we expect to restore 300 customers in the Alta Sierra area. Within the next 24 to 48 hours, uh, we expect to restore another 500 customers in the areas of Alta Sierra, Paradale, and Chicago Park. And we're currently still uh, in the process of assessing and patrolling areas of Allegheny, Brunswick, Higgins and Pike City. So for those customers uh, in some of those locations where there has not yet been uh, assessment, there's not a current estimated time of restoration. We need to be able to get eyes on the damage to figure out how long it'll take to actually repair and replace some of those assets. Uh, one of the things I do wanna call out is uh, some of the work that we've been doing in partnership with Cal OES and some of our other partners. We uh, conducted wellness checks by going door to door and we're able to connect with 244 of our medical baseline customers in Nevada County. Um, we had originally tried uh, connecting with them via telephone, uh, obviously significant damage to telecommunications infrastructure. So we went ahead and uh, did the, the door knocks in person. We're supporting customers through the two resource centers that uh, uh, Paul mentioned, at the Madeline Helling Library and the Grass Valley Courtyard Suites. And we also have a program of partnership with the, uh, the California Foundation for Independent Living Centers, which is FREED. And uh, they uh, will provide portable batteries, hotels, transportation, uh, gas carts for generators to uh, eligible uh, participants. So a couple of quick safety reminders. If you see a down power line, assume that it's energized and dangerous. Don't try to move it, stay away. Continue to check in on your neighbors. That's what Supervisor Schofield talked about at the beginning, about how really this uh, disaster has brought the neighbors together to help each other continue to do that. Um, we're right here alongside you. If you are using a backup generator currently, please make sure that it's uh, installed properly so that it can't backfeed into the system, that it has plenty of vent ventilation. Now, Pascal, you had mentioned that uh, you'd like some real kind of nuts and bolts of uh, where we're at. So I'd like to ask my colleague, Jason Regan, to uh, share a assessment and restoration map that will give us a little more detail on kind of where we're working, if that works. Perfect. Yeah, pa Pascal, okay, if I share my screen and a voice check, we're good. All right, well, while I'm sharing it, just a big fan of the UBINET. I've been following you for the last week and your photos and intelligence uh, help communities, so keep it coming. Um, I'm gonna share my screen, uh, apologies. Real fast, see if I can get this going. 
All right, uh, thumbs up if you can see the screen, anyone? Okay, great. So uh, my name is Jason Regan, and I've had the opportunity to work for Pacific Gas and Electric for almost three decades now, 27th year. Uh, started in the company, uh, in my company, uh, replacing low pressure gas mains and have had opportunities to support a lot of different activities. No, uh, I've been on multiple incidents, whether they're PSPS related, mutual aid outside the state, earthquakes, you name it. So I'm the deputy incident commander on this event. And my partner, Mark Quinlan, is on this phone with, with us also to help specifically answer questions. Hear you loud and clear, Pasquale, we'll get to it. I do need about two, two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes of visual aid. As adults, we're all visual learners and want to share a little bit, something greater than what you may see on our websites or here on our radios. And I want to acknowledge our uh, access and functional need customers. Also, those that are on radio that don't have internet right now, that don't have a television screen to, to, to see this. Apologies, I try to be transparent. And I'll try to speak in a, in a, uh, a tone and a, and a, and a uh, speed that allows for clarity, but I will be brief. I think many of us are familiar with our outage map. Though it has good information, always opportunity to improve, and it's not always correct. We recognize that. We apologize. And every hour, we are trying to improve the communication by way of this map uh, coming either from you as customers or from our coworkers in your communities. High level. Everything in green here you see is an active outage. It's a smaller outage. It's a customer outage, somewhere under 50 customers. Everything in yellow is between 50 and 500 customers. And everything in orange is between 500 and 5,000 customers. Majority of the impacts that we're seeing at this point that we're restoring are at the very smaller end, meaning the side streets off the main highways or the main state roads. I'll get into that more in a minute. Before I go off of here, quick, easy way to find out where we've got uh, community resource centers, grab-and-go locations, uh, firewood, other uh, uh, um, items that help uh, maybe not remove the frustration, but maybe help you get through a night while we try to safely restore power. You can put in here, uh, let's just go um, dog bar. I saw, I think it was Lay that, that had a comment in the chat about dog bar, and you can put in dog bar road, Colfax, and Looks like apparently it's currently either coming back or on. Sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, status to get up on the website. Um, you can, and it shows, you know, it's right exactly where the community is at. Dog bar road. I can tell, I can tell you that it's a different dog bar road. It's pretty long, so. Check. Uh, yep. Got it. So just an example, just wanted to show the ease if, if those that weren't aware of it, but um, it, it doesn't tell the whole story. So again, I'm gonna show just a couple of things, bear with me here. This is our internal outage map and it shows all of our emergency centers, north to south, entire service territory open. But we're focusing on this area here, about 23,000 uh, customers. It makes up your Sierra, Nevada, Placer, Eldo County uh, type of area. That's our language division. I know you speak counties and we're trying to be respectful on that here tonight. I saw a couple of things in the chat talked about, you know, how come, uh, uh, we're out of power, neighboring co uh, counties aren't. I'm gonna speak to that a little bit. This is all in restoration since Christmas morning, okay? Our 1225, about half a million customers restored. Of that, there's close to 340, 350,000 customers restored in the first 24 hours. What I want you to focus on here, for those that, that can't see it, I apologize. Sierra, over 50% or nearly 50% of those customers came directly out of really Nevada County, Eldo County, um, Placer and a portion of Sierra compared to our entire service territory. Also, what I wanted to share here was a restoration curve. Now this is system-wide. 
So we start here at very low outages before the, uh, the Christmas holiday. And then you can see in a matter of really eight hours, we went from just 18,000 customers to nearly 114,000 customers out of power to peak. And then progressively set from then decreasing the, uh, the customer impact. Now, you will see some flat lines in here and they coincide with really sundown to sun up. They also coincide with that. We know that starting the day after Christmas, we really had a couple of days of what we call gray sky conditions. Frankly, a lot of snowpack that's welcome, but brought us challenges. I'm going to show real fast, specific to Sierra. Let's bring this in. Let's box this in a little bit because this is the community that we're talking to right now. So to put in perspective, as this loops up, remember I showed the 114,000 customers? We peaked at just under 70,000 nearly two thirds of those customers, of our customers and your communities directly impacted in the Sierra division, which again is that it equates to Nevada, Placer, Eldo counties, a little bit of Sierra County on the Southern portion of it. All right, I'm gonna move from here and I'm gonna go back to this outage map for a second. And I'm gonna go one step deeper. And this is an internal facing one that we're sharing with the counties and OESs, we're sharing with other public officials and media outlets. This is our outage map. And on this outage map, really the takeaway for this is the color coding, okay? I'm gonna zoom in here a little bit. Anything you see in blue, green, or yellow has an active crew on it or has some level of repair in progress. Anything in orange is where we are actively assessing, meaning that we are out there assessing, removing trees. If we can energize at the same time we do, if we can't, we identify the damages. And then we start the job packages and we get the crews working onto them, right? Anything in red, and if you were to look at this, and I know many of you live through this, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Last 24, 48 hours, we start to turn the curve here. We've had blue sky conditions. We've had more helicopters in the air than we've had the first three days. We've had better access conditions. Our partners at the state and county level are helping clear roads. You are all telling us where we have hazards. We're getting them cleared up. So that's why this map is turning from the red to the more blue and green, okay? Last thing I'm going to show, and then I'll, and then I'll get, we'll get right into questions. We've got plenty of time. We'll, we'll answer anything you've got. One more step deeper into these polygons, right? Every one of these green dots is the same thing you see on a public website, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus in here a little bit, and we'll just start down here in this um, Glenbrook, Brunswick Road. And, and just so you know, I, I've, I've been in your county for the last seven days, specifically hardest hit as Deputy Incident Commander. I've traveled the roads, I've seen the damage. It, it is a tremendous amount of work. Every one of these green dots is a, is a outage that has associated to a larger circuit. Those outages have certain levels of customers impacted. So in this case here, just off of high grade lane, this single uh, tap is involving a single customer where over here, we have a customer that, a, a tap that has 12 customers. They are the smaller side roads, the access roads off of some of your more main streets like Gold Hill Drive and 174, right? Uh, I'm not talking the highway 50s. And then you can see some of the outage polygons. Now look, this is just to provide an extent of condition, an extent of the damages that we're seeing. And every one of these green or yellow dots correlates to a customer outage number. You can see, though they are, um, Frustrating, they are small in size. Smaller in size means more resources, more assessors, more individuals uh, so that we can get in front of it, which we have coming in from as far as you know the East Coast. And we've also asked Hawaii and a ton of them are showing up today in the last 48 hours. What this is really trying to say is, look, it's not a single outage. These green dots, many times associated to them, 
are three to six to seven to 10 repair locations. So it's not a single pole. It could be a pole at one location and it's five spans into your property or an access line of some point and all four of those poles are down or maybe five or six trees. So because we have outage counts doesn't necessarily equate to damages. So we're trying to show you a little bit that we've got some significant work to do. We're doing good work as we've started with the conditions being clear and the ability to, uh, and the ability to get access both by ground and air. Last 48 hours have been more productive relative to restoring you as our customers than the first three days. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of things and we can talk to it. Um, but the last thing I just wanted to show here, and, and look, I don't need to show much of this because you are all living in it and I've seen it firsthand. The snow loading conditions on the trees and the snow loading conditions on our equipment add this extra amount of weight. We understand the drought conditions. We understand how trees uh, soak up water in the first rains. And then when the snow comes in, they have a hard time keeping their limbs up, their bases up. These are just some of the conditions that we are responding to. So first of all, thank you for your hazard calls. Thank you for your 911 calls to let us know where the damage is at. Keep it coming. If we've missing something and you don't see us out there, I encourage you to continue to call PG&E, continue to call your emergency center so that we can get in front of it. Again, some loading conditions on trees, loading conditions on our cross arms and poles that add the additional weight. Some of the damages we're seeing, some of the roads that we've got to clear. Don't want to spend too much on, uh, time on this again, but do want to show some of the actual damages in your community. Some of the damages, we can just remove trees, no damage to our assets and start restoring. That was the bulk of the restoration. What we're seeing now though are the heavier crew needs where we have multiple pole sets are down, multiple wires down, large trees, right? So most of the immediate opportunity to clear has been uh, uh, supported and assessed and, and really now it's the heavy lifting with the remaining outages. I'm just gonna show this last picture and kind of show some of the challenges to go to. This is uh, one of our uh, customers' homes. This is the access road to them. These are some PG&E workers along with, this is Eddie to the far right that was shoveling uh, his way out. If they were to do a 360 and turn around, this is the tree that's blocking that road that's on top of our uh, overhead conductor. Just an example of the conditions the first 24, the first 48, we know that that's not it right now. We know we've got weather coming in, but overall we're in a good spot. We're starting to turn the corner. We've got the right level of resources and we're continuing to add resources and provide our outage communication um, to all of you. So I'm gonna pause there um, and I appreciate Pascal a little bit of opportunity to walk through it and look forward to questions. Thank you, Jason. And if you could, there you go, can you stop? Perfect. Okay, so the, the main questions, of course, are when will specific neighborhoods come online? And here's one of the, which I believe is kind of a justified criticism, is that the text messages and phone updates that people have been getting now for nine days are a lot of times devoid of any information that is specific to their neighborhood. We know that uh, you have some more assessments to do. You have 87% done, so the other 13%. But is there any way that, for example, the maps that, that uh, Jason, that you just shared with us, that those could, can actually be made available so that people can actually see and also that it will, I think it's the lack of concrete, information right now that not only is 
you know, most of us have no heat. Uh, it's about 45 degrees in here. So, but that is just <clears throat> because of um, propane problems, but we get our power back. So I'm grateful for that. But whereas more information, more precise information needs to be shared with the public because it's just at, at this time, it is not enough to actually give people also the option to plan because people have actually left the area because it was just, it's too cold. There's no water, there's no power. So um, can who wants to take that one? Pascal, I'll, I'll take it real quick and I'll hand it over to our, our, our regional expert here. But um, look, we, we're basically fairly done with assessments as of today. Before this call, we made sure we had our numbers correct. We're close to 100% being assessed today. That was in the high 85s just about two hours ago. Our commitment to you will have an estimated restoration time for all those outages uh, before the end of day tomorrow. Now that's not, that's not a we shall restore tomorrow. I wish I could do that, I can't. There's just too many challenging conditions. But what we can do is improve, to your point, the communication which we were not able to provide as we were assessing. Now that we've got assessments, you got our commitment for all the leaders here on this phone and the local teams to get those estimated times of restoration on all those outages. So hold us accountable for that going into tomorrow. And then from a global perspective, look, it's, it, it's, a, it's a fine line you walk because, but I did see it in the chat and it resonated. I, I saw a comment, it was like, look, even if you provide just a little bit of what you think you know, it's better than not hearing anything. And I've heard that loud and clear. So. So uh, speaking a little bit on behalf of, of Joe and a few others on this call, Mark Quinlan is incident commander and some of the local teams, you know, we anticipate a large percentage of the customers that remain out uh, to be restored near the end of the day on the 5th. But please don't run with that, that all customers will be restored. We're, we'll, we'll be better and more transparent on, on the challenges and or if things change. But I hear you loud and clear. You need information. We're going to be a better job of doing that tonight. Get our own teeth cleaned up with what we know from assessments and provide some accuracy on, on when you can expect to see power provided uh, from, from your company, Pacific Gas and Electric. So I'll, I'll kick it to Joe and a few others um, if there's any other comments, but uh, hopefully that answers it to a point. And we can absolutely provide better intelligence, screenshots, OMT information, you want to partner with UbinNet, we can give you some of these, you can put them on your site, whatever's need to happen, we're here to show up and we'll improve. So heard you loud and clear. Yeah, and uh, I really encourage you to share those, not just with us, but with uh, all our other uh, media colleagues, with, be that the union, KBMR, KNCO, because as local media, our job is to provide as much accurate information as we have, and we have the, the same uh, challenges, of course, than everyone else. However, um, it's good to hear that there's more information for, uh, forthcoming. Uh, one thing that uh, the utilization of the libraries as warming centers has gone up dramatically from um, 248 on um, Tuesday, the December 28th to 729. And that was at around um, 530 today. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of needs, but one thing is, uh, do you, uh, is there any way, because people are asking, is there any way to have shower trucks and food trucks? Because those are two issues. A lot of people, of course, are on wells and no power, no water. So it would be really nice to have some of the creature comforts. And 
if maybe, uh, I don't know, Paul maybe, or uh, Shannon, could you um, address the, the question of, uh, and I believe Paul, you did it before, why the National Guard, why is the National Guard not here? But first uh, about the, the trucks for people to be able to actually take a hot shower and maybe some, uh, some food. So thank you, Pascal. I think, I think the shower truck's an outstanding suggestion. I mean, we need a dialogue with the community. You know, we, we have um, the media that provides us information. People call us directly. They email us. We're getting things in from 211. So suggestions like this, if, if there's a need for that in our community, then we'll arrange for that. Same thing for if you guys think a food truck could serve a particular area, please get that to our office. You know, we have to identify the unmet need and then find the best resource for that. That's really what we're doing in the Emergency Operations Center. We're trying to group needs and then present options to address those needs. So much of what we have as far as our understanding of where the problems are, the biggest things that we have to go off of are calls coming into 911, you know, welfare checks, people calling saying that they're out of whatever it is, whatever their emergency is. People calling 211 saying that they're running out of food, water, propane, firewood. Um, so we're, we, then we create systems to address those needs. That may be offering you a ride out so that we can get you to a hotel or a shelter or to a friend's house. Um, you know, so, so with regard to the National Guard, um, that's just not the tool to address those particular needs. So if the need rises to that level that the National Guard is appropriate, then we can you know, work through that. But there's a scaled phased response and we have to handle this incident locally with the resources that we have. If we're gonna exceed those resources, then we'll go to the state and address those particular resources. But we don't say, send us the National Guard. We say, send us people to help with snow removal. Send us people that can help to check on people with you know, disabilities or that people that need, um, that need to be transported from their homes to the shelter. We have to address the needs on an individual basis and we have to address them at scale. So I hope that that answers the National Guard question. You're listening to a live winter storm update hosted by the County of Nevada and Ubinet.com on KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. ...that needs to be done, uh, be that dog bar, cascade chores, red dog, there's more, more clearing that needs doing so. Um, uh, Craig, maybe, or who is uh, who can speak for public works to and for the, the, the task force teams, where are we at with those and <clears throat> what is what else? We need at some point to address the greenways, but first I would like to, to hear about the roads and if possible, roads that need to be open because trees are still down and also power lines. So Craig, maybe that, that you? Pascal, I'll actually hand that off to Trisha Tillotson, who's a community development agency director who's on the phone right now. Trisha? Hi, Pascal and Craig, thank you. Thanks. So Trisha Tillotson, I'm the CDA director. All county roads are open. As I said earlier, um, they're not in the condition we prefer them to be in, but they are drivable. So um, if you do have issues, please be sure to call our public works department at 265-1411. Otherwise, we do have a plan. It's going to take us a while, however, to complete all cleanup, including all the vegetation along that road. And that's really the county road update, unless there's a specific question. No, that, that'll do. Um, we also have, 
We also have a, a few questions about the North Bloomfield area and the areas further out. So going up towards um, North San Juan, further, further up uh, North Columbia. And again, <clears throat> we also got, and this is not Nevada County uh, specific, but uh, maybe uh, uh, Jason and Joe, maybe you could uh, make a note that Camptonville right across the county line is in really bad shape. So uh, this, they have sent multiple texts and emails because they are in really bad shape. And there's, unlike Nevada County, there's not much action there from um, Yuba County. Uh, that's just a, a side note. And if somebody can address what kind of assistance is available now, um, because people have caught, tried to call the generic PG&E number and either are told that they don't know anything about assistance to freed. What about um, uh, car, gas cards, etc.? So where can people go? What is the phone number and what is available? I'll take that, um, Pascal. So, um, Customers with disabilities, independent living needs, and older adults can call 1-800-743-5000 to request support, and they would be referred to Freed, who is the local partner there in Nevada County. So let me repeat it, 1-800-743-5000. Okay, and um, <clears throat> we had a couple of people who actually um, said that they were unsuccessful when, when they called the, the operators were unable to, to give them the, um, <clears throat> the actual, the, the information to, to get to, to free. <clears throat> and those are, those are issues, those are your internal issues that you will have to deal with. But um, a lot of people also ask us about the restoration times that um, the false hope for restoration times, because a lot of people got first an estimate of restoration um hey you'll you'll be up in two days and it's been seven or eight days nothing's up and specifically all the mobile home parks that are waiting a lot of them are waiting and for you they are of course one customer with a master meter but there are hundreds of people and mostly seniors so um reassurance what that the mobile home parks are being taken care of anybody Thanks, Pascal. Yeah. We have a specific focus on um, communities that have uh, large populations of seniors. Um, so I will take that back and make sure that we are uh, zeroed in on mobile home parks. And I saw there's a number of them in the chat that I've been taking notes of. I'd like to address the mobile home um, question as well. So my name is Rachel Roos. I'm with Department of Social Services and just wanted to say, um, I did put this in the question and answer um, uh, to somebody who asked specifically um, about Forest Springs, but wanted to say that we have been going out, um, we've been making calls and going out door to door all week since this incident began. Um, we have um, county disaster service workers, county um, department of social services workers, we have social workers and um, adult services workers and senior outreach nurses who've been going door to door delivering food, 
um, gas cards if that's needed, connecting people to the resources that they need, um, doing assessments to find out if we if they need transportation to get um, to family members. We've just been troubleshooting individually with people. And again, like I said, going door to door. Um, the way for people to access that, um, if there's a specific need, if you know that a neighbor is in need, or you know someone who lives in one of those locations. And again, we've been in touch with all of the managers too, so that the managers at those places places can let us know if there are any specific needs. But if you're aware as a community member that there's someone in one of those locations with a need, please call 211. Um, Department of Social Services and the county DSW response through the EOC that's, you know, that's being managed through the EOC. Um, we've been taking those calls, hundreds of calls um, over the last four days, four or five days. Um, and following up with every one of them and getting needs to people who need them, getting transportation to people who need it. So um, please, uh, please continue to use that 211 resource because we are following up. If 211 doesn't have a community, um, doesn't have a, a place to send someone, they are taking their name down and getting those over to social services. And we are following up on every single call. So um, please keep using that service. Thanks, thanks, Rachel. Uh, and it's, it, it's a huge, it's a huge job because we have, of course, a, a large portion of the, the Nevada County population is senior population. So senior and vulnerable populations that really need um, all the attention. And uh, we got a lot of people who contacted us who said that they don't want to use the warming shelters or the other shelters because they can't take their pets and they will not leave their pets alone. And that is something that <clears throat> during fires now, um, <clears throat> it changes. So is there, would there be an option to open a warming, um, a warming shelter or a shelter at the fairgrounds where people could come with their pets. Paul, Shannon. Um, I can speak to, oh, I can speak to some of that. Um, at the, um, are we talking specifically about warming shelters and not about overnight shelters? We're talking warming about shelters? warming shelters, yes. Um, so actually, I'm going to go ahead and pass that over to the EOC because I don't. I know um, our vets hall has welcomed um, pets, but it's service animals only at our Red Cross shelter, um, and I'm not sure about the CRCs. So, yeah, I mean, so it's a safety thing as far as having pets in there with people that are sheltering. So, I think what we've been doing is if there's somebody that has a pet. We're trying to support them, you know, in any way that we can, whether that be getting them into a pet-friendly hotel, if that's something that's required. So if there's a demand for that, we need to address that. If, if we think that we need to set up uh, something at scale, then community, please help us, you know, identify those needs and we'll work on it. So that's, that's another suggestion that we can take if there's a need for that. Mm. And um, just for just for informational purpose, if you have to to send somebody, if you are uh, proposing to send somebody to a, a hotel, uh, what kind of distance are we talking now? Because a lot of people are there's transportation problems, when uh, we're hearing that hotel rooms are full in the area. So are people now being sent to Roseville, Rockland, further out? 
I can speak to that too. Um, so it's been a little bit of a mixed bag early on in the week. Um, we, all of the hotel rooms that we were sourcing were out of the area. So Rockland, um, Marysville, a couple in Auburn, but then as the week progressed, we have had some openings locally. So we've just been calling and getting um, rooms as they're available. So they fill up pretty quickly when somebody leaves a local hotel room, we pretty much get in there quickly um but it's we've had some local um hotel rooms and then also some out of area but most of them have been out of the area because it's just packed here and if i could just follow up there and reiterate this is a regional disaster so this isn't the only county that's suffering so our local hotels are filled filled right people without a, without power that are nevada county residents are staying in these hotels locally there's hotels down the road that are affected because of the multi-county incident so the things that we're trying to encourage people to do are, you know, come to the shelter. Let's try to get you into a hotel situation. Let's try to get you to a friend or family member if you have that. And we realize that those options may not work for anybody. So we're trying to be as creative as we can. Uh, we, we, are, we have transportation that we can provide. The best thing we can do, though, is to try to get people out of these situations to where they can get to where resources and support are. That's the best use um, of, of the resources that we have. And speaking of resources that we have, uh, there's now a lot of people, as usual, that say, hey, we want to help, we want to volunteer. Um, there's a lot of that. And so where can, where can people, uh, who can people contact to help, to help their neighbors, as usual, because obviously there's more, there are way more needs than, than any organization right now can fill, which is sad in and of itself. But where can people go? Where can they sign up to volunteer? So really what I would recommend is that we have to problem solve as a community, right? I can't tell people exactly where to go. You know, we can talk about needs in a broad general term, but we know there's needs to check on neighbors. We know there's people that need rides. We know there's people that need um, their pets to be fostered. We know there's a need for firewood, right? So I think that, you know, we've been recommending work with your firewise community, work with the people on your street. Um, to find out who needs what and how you can support them. That's really the best and fastest way to address those localized needs. If people have things they want to contribute, there are organizations that are getting involved in our community. When, when we have a big ask, for instance, we had the Rotarians out helping move wood and deliver wood for some of these, these big wood drop-offs because, you know, we weren't able to, to take care of that, um, you know, as, as the county. We, we asked for some help there. So there's going to be those opportunities where we're going to call upon you. But I would say check in with these groups that are already doing those things, your faith groups, nonprofit groups. And one thing that we also have questions is all these trees that came down, the trees that came that fell on the power lines, the trees that fell on the houses, the trees that fell on the roads. It is overwhelming for a lot of people and where does what what is the boundary who is going to remove these trees where are these trees going and what is first of all how is pg&e step is stepping up to remove the trees that are uh, down now from that fell into the power lines and is there some latitude there that if the tree fell 
close to the power line that PGE will also maybe remove those um, trees. And then for the for the rest, what are we going to do with these acres of green waste? Pascal, I'll take the uh, question regarding PG&E's um, removal of trees. We're focused on restoring power right now. So we will um, cut things away in the clear uh, to be able to restore power as quickly as possible. Um, I'll defer to uh, County OES or maybe one of the other agencies regarding um, a long-term plan. Just there's such an immense amount of damage um, throughout the community that's not just power near power lines. I would defer to the county on kind of how they see that happening. And uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about the county roads and the public, the uh, green waste along county roads. Maybe have Trisha Tilton take that one and I can talk about the, the, the public green waste that we're going to have. Hi, hi, Paul. So this is Trisha Tilton again, um, CDA director for the county. So what we're doing right now for county roads and uh, vegetation that um, even the task force was taking is we're stockpiling it at a site on Brunswick and East Bennett temporarily so that we can then uh, process it from there. And so processing it, Paul may add more on this, but it might include um, you know things like making firewood for the future or uh, chipping, for example, and chips and then the green waste would most likely have to be trucked off to a processing facility, most likely in the Lincoln area. But uh, just as PG&E mentioned, we're so focused on getting things cleared first, and then that's going to be our next um, battle, if you will. I'll just follow up on that. So we, we are prioritizing getting the trees and all the slash that are blocking county roads because those are the main feeders, right, to all the other roads. We're getting that over to that, that site that Trisha mentioned. The plan is to start to stockpile it over the next week. And then we're gonna take what can be turned into firewood and we're gonna create firewood. We're gonna contract this work out, have that firewood then be stockpiled for, uh, to, to turn and cure over the summer to support uh, this community as donations through, through programs like the Gold Country Seniors um, Firewood Program. And then, and then grind and chip and haul off um, the rest of it. That's going to deal with what's along the county public roads. And that's our priority right now because we're trying to just get people back in and out of their homes and to create access. Now we know there's going to be tons and tons and tons of green waste that's on private property and on private roads. And we know that we're going to have to have a robust program to address that. We know that green waste programs are very popular in this community. Uh, and we're going to have to you know, reach out to do to do something bigger and broader and, and inventive. That may be a combination of things. Uh, you know, maybe it's a combination of hauling and working with waste management. Maybe encouraging people to to burn it safely on their property when it's when it's a good air quality day to do that. Um, maybe we're going to have to enhance our chipping programs, uh, air curtain incinerator. There's a lot of options to reduce that fuel load, but we know we're going to have to lean into that heavily. Um, but right now, the biggest things that we're addressing are life safety. Uh, and so if, if, unless that material is, um, is, is preventing access, uh, you know, we're going to leave it where it is until we can create a program to deal with it. So in other words, the, there's going to be a lot, a lot of green waste that's going to be around for a, a while. 
and then we'll have to see see what's happening. Um, the volunteer hub at 211. So people apparently can sign up there. And uh, if they want to, to, to volunteer, um, it's definitely a good thing if you can. But I think that it's, it's at this time, we actually need the support of the agencies and of the, um, the uh, utilities to actually restore this to a somewhat normal uh, way. And again, we have the problem with the power, there's problems with roads, there's problems with propane, there's problems with food, there's problems with water. And then we will also have probably a lot of people um, that will have damage to their um, infrastructure as in wells not running with freezing temperatures, there's gonna be burst pipes, et cetera. Are there any, um, is either OES or somebody, is anything set up to actually help people out there because if you finally get power back and all you get are bursting pipes that's also not ideal to come home to so i'll start the conversation around recovery pascal because i think that's where you're going maybe once people's immediate needs are met life safety they're not going to freeze you know they have food they have water how do we move forward with the repairs um, you know, anything that we can do as a county to support, and I know that Craig Griesbach can talk about this, um, the, the permitting piece uh, of helping to try to expedite folks as they try to get some of that work done, us working together as a county to get the green waste removed, anything that we can do to bring in um, state support and services uh, to this community through, through some of the programs that they offered, again, depending on the scope and scale. Remember, we still have to articulate the damages that we've had to the state uh, so that we can you know, make some of these requests. So, um, Craig, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, thanks, Paul. We're obviously looking at the more immediate uh, permits and work that needs to be completed for repairing of emergency lines related to houses, electrical services, damage to homes, um, try to get them weatherized. Uh, for actual resources related to the work, I talked to the Contractors Association today. We're working closely with them. They're dedicated to allocating some of their services and members, especially to the at-risk communities, if there are some needed repairs or emergency work that is needed. Um, I'll post their information in the chat as well for the Nevada County Contractors Association for contractor resources to get that work done. So um, we're prioritizing the work to get the permits process and collaborating with PGE to get services reconnected that were damaged as our main priority. We'll be looking forward as issuing permits for structural repairs, anything else moving forward. Um, due to the local disaster getting declared for us, um, it waives all local permit fees to get that work done for people affected for this event. So we'll be working on this and have been uh, over the last week, week and a half, and we'll continue to do so in the weeks and months ahead. We have a lot of questions about restoration and any type of information about some of the, the roads, but that's, I'm going back to um, what Jason told us and that the maps will be made available with more detail, with more detailed information. Um, and also, uh, Rachel, I think, um, uh, Rachel, we have people uh, coming to the, the warming shelters and also the overnight shelters. I mean, people's nerves are frayed, obviously, 
is there any type of support that uh, uh, your department is offering there? Because obviously this storm has pretty much overwhelmed um, everybody, every agency or corporation or individual people. So um, is there anything that you, you can offer as resources and um, where can we help? Thank you. Um, I, I'm not sure if I fully understand the question about the, are, are you asking about what's available specifically at the shelters, at the overnight shelters? Yes, please. Okay, so um, we opened on Monday. Um, we were down at Bear River, maybe it was Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry, they're all coming together for me now, but <laughs> we opened early on um, an overnight shelter um, at Bear River High School, and we have moved that to First Baptist Church. What's been available, um, it's a little bit different. That's why I'm kind of giving both both answers. We did have showers available um, in one location at the First Baptist Church. We don't have showers available, but we have had um, a huge Red Cross and county presence at both shelter locations. So we've had behavioral health on site. We've had um, public health on site. We've had social workers whenever we um, are able. We've had county homeless services available as well. So um, we have been meeting with individual residents at the shelters and getting them into hotels if that's more appropriate or connecting them with um, services that are available in our community. So that's something that's been ongoing throughout this incident. Um, that's what um, that's what we have available. And I'm not sure if you had a more specific question about the shelters. Uh, I, th I, I think this is, uh, this is good uh, info. And of course, um, as, we're uh, as we're sitting here talking, most of the people are getting their, their daily text. And sadly, it's still not completely um, full, of full of detailed information, shall we say. But I believe that we're approaching the, the end of our, of our 90 minutes. And I, I wanna say thanks to everybody who is uh, who took the time. I know that all of you have a lot of work to do, but what I would really like to hear and um, specifically from uh, the agency reps and from pg and &E is like, what is your number one priority and where can you get a, give us assurances that this is what you are working on right now with all these, um, with all the problems we all have this a lot of issues but what is your number one priority and what are you doing to solve the problem if the skull i'll go first if that's okay <laughs> our number one priority is to get the lights back on for our customers um, i mentioned we have 410 separate outages in nevada county uh, we recognize the damage is extensive so we've brought in crews from um, different states we have um, 96 separate crews working in Nevada County right now, plus assessment resources. That's our number one focus is to get the lights back on. Hey, Pascal, if I could, if I could tap there, please, real quick. So uh, I'm not blind. I'm reading the chat. It's a lot of frustration, right, rightfully so. Joe said it well. Number one priority is doing it safely. We cannot do this in a manner that, that puts anybody else at any additional risk. Here's what I heard from you. To, uh, community and, and members and partners on here. We got to improve our communication now. 
we got to get better accurate information on the restoration. We got to get better accurate information on what we're seeing. I will be in the county, uh, Nevada County OES tomorrow if welcome, which I'm sure I will be to share my maps, share our intel. We're going to work tonight on improving our messaging because right now what I'm seeing in the chat is it talks about, look, you're giving me the same story for the last couple of days. I hear you loud and clear. We'll make a difference tonight. We'll get more targeted information for this county and the shouldering counties. And uh, let's, uh, let's see us show up greater tomorrow. So, Pascal, a lot here learned uh, tonight. You got my full support. And uh, we're going to start immediately after this call improving. We've got 25,000 coworkers out there that can help here. And I got a few ideas. So can't solve them all here. But um, I've seen enough to know that we got to do better. And that starts immediately. So you got my commitment, Joe Wilson's commitment, and all the coworkers of PG&E to take this back and target it specifically in uh, Nevada, Placer, Eldo, Sierra counties, where we got the hardest hit. We'll do better. Thanks for letting us be part of the conversation. Thank you. Who wants to go next? Pascal, I can go that, you know, big picture, we're going to continue to address unmet needs and prioritize life and safety. So I would challenge, I would ask the community, um, tell us what your unmet needs are. I realize that power being out, that's not something that OES can control, that that's a pg &E thing, but we're partnering with them. They're in our EOC. We're working together to address unmet needs. You know, like bringing in firewood, for instance, would be a need. But we need information to make decisions. We need information to make requests. So anything that you can do to um, help us shape our decision making or to give us information, or as Jason Regan said, intelligence, um, continue to push that to us through any means necessary so that we can help you. So please, you're doing a great job out there. Um, let's continue to work together. Check on your neighbors and help us bring in more resources to help this community. Help us make that ask. Anyone else want to share their number one priority and what you're doing for it? Um, Shannon, you are muted. Thought I had it. Uh, uh, listening to the community, and, and you know, regardless of whether we're in an emergency situation or not, you know, clearly uh, the goal uh, of the sheriff's office and, and specifically mine is our is our community safety, and wanting you know what I said earlier in in this morning's briefing uh, for cooperators is that. Uh, what we don't know is what we don't know. And that's the unfortunate thing with having communication lines down. Um, so just, you know, having that communication line and it is critical with, with our partnerships with, with the media, with Pascal, uh, the union, KVMR, KNCO, um, and, and hearing all the different uh, very specific questions that come up. Because sometimes we get involved in our roles uh, we, 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 we have done so many welfare checks. We've answered every single 911 call and we have so many different uh, connections with the community. And so sometimes when we hear uh, questions about, are you doing this? We say, we've been doing this since, since the 27th, since before the, the storm hit and during the storm and now continuing through. But if we don't share our story uh, and, and communicate uh, with, with you in, in these types of events, um, Clearly, that it doesn't it doesn't help, uh, but we need to hear more. We need to hear where the issues are. Uh, continue to call two one one if you have very specific questions. If it's an emergency situation, uh, call nine one one. Our dispatch center has has taken uh, thousands and thousands of phone calls since the storm hit. 
Uh, we dispatch for all four of the law enforcement agencies in Nevada County. Uh, and and our, our patrol staff have been out there, our um, search and rescue staff, everyone trying to make those connections to try to um, hear of, of where the issues are that we, we don't know about because of the, the communication lines. Uh, and when we can't fill in those gaps, uh, then we request more. Uh, and, and I think that's the, the, the telltale sign is uh, we continually are asking help from, from our partners across this county and, and we need each other and that's how we get through it. So uh, just appreciate the, the, the platform and the availability uh, of everyone to get on and, and to listen to the community. Thank you. Okay, with that, um, thank you to all the panelists. I know it was, the questions are not easy, but that's part of our job to ask the questions that, that are not easy. Um, we're here to provide information. We're happy to work with all of you, but um, if there are uncomfortable questions, we'll continue to ask them. And for now, please, everybody stay safe. And again, 211 for any unmet needs, 911 for the emergencies. And thanks to all of you. Thanks to everybody who uh, attended. And we will reconvene this and hopefully with less technical difficulties, but we will reconvene it and get another progress report. And hopefully the, the news will be much, much better with that. I wanna thank everyone who shared this um, live stream. Share, uh, thank our colleagues from the both radio stations, KVMR and KNCO, uh, anybody else and the union and please be safe everybody and have a good evening.